Will you stand with me, please? This is from Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a very, very important day. And uh, we are doing preparation for our second season of Imagine Giving. With that in mind, I want to teach you something that I'm going to call the purpose for our practice. Why do we do what we do? Okay? If you have a good attitude, you may sit down. This is the first sermon, I guess you could call it, the first sermon that Jesus preached when he began his ministry. Luke 4, 18 is a direct quote from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah is known as the Messiah prophet. And the book of Isaiah is basically, there's 66 chapters in Isaiah and you can, the last half of the book of Isaiah is basically full of prophecies about the coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting. He comes out. Um, the first miracle that he performed, of course, was the wedding, Cain of Galilee. But this is his first sermon. I don't want to confuse you, but you do need to be aware of some things in order to understand where I'm going. Um, Just like we have Easter and 4th of July and Memorial Day and Thanksgiving. In the land of Israel, they had seven festivals. They're known as the Feast of Jehovah. They are found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. The first one, the first feast is known as Passover. Passover always occurred in the spring of the year with basically what we would call April. In Hebrew, it's known as Ebib, but it's April. Passover's on the first day. They're on the, it's on the 14th day of the first month. The next feast, feast number two, is known as Unleavened Bread. It's on the 15th day. The third feast is known as first fruits. It starts on the next day. Those three feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, are back to back. 
And then you would go home. That's why when you read the book of Exodus chapter 23, it says three times a year, I want all of the men to come to Jerusalem. But in those three trips, you know, there were synagogues everywhere, but the temple was in Jerusalem. Every year, the men were required to come to Jerusalem three times. They would come at the beginning in the spring, celebrate three feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then they would go home. They would be home for 50 days. Now, what they had planted in the spring, they have their first harvest. When the first harvest was finished, they would come back to Jerusalem for the second time, and they would celebrate festival number four, which is what we call Pentecost. That's a New Testament word. You don't ever find that word in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's known as the Feast of Weeks or the New Offering. Then you would go home and you would wait three months. You would come back in the fall of the year and you would celebrate the last three feasts, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. And just like the first three were back to back, the last three were back to back. So you have Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. You go home. 50 days later, you come back for the second time, celebrate Pentecost, go home, have the last harvest, come back to Jerusalem for the third trip, celebrate Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. That's Leviticus 23. But in Leviticus 25... There is something known as the year of Jubilee. Jubilee happens every 50th year. So it would happen once in your life, maybe twice. But for most people, Jubilee was a a one-time shot. When you study the book of Joshua, When they came out of Egypt and they went into what we would call Palestine, the land of promise, Canaan, Israel, all the same thing. That land was parceled out to the families, the tribes. Even to this day, the ownership of that land is a huge deal. That little piece of real estate, which is smaller than the state of Maine, has been under scrutiny and been fought over and been argued about for thousands of years. God knew that every now and then somebody was going to do something stupid and they were going to lose the family farm. So he made a provision so that every 50 years, the original family got the homestead back. Jubilee was wonderful if it had been 45 years ago. But it was tough if Jubilee had been celebrated three years ago and you had 47 of them more to wait. This is what is known in the Bible as the acceptable year of the Lord. Leviticus 25 mentions it. Isaiah 61 mentions it. 
And Luke chapter 4 mentions it. This is what Jesus, this was his text for his first public sermon. Spare the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor and heal the brokenhearted and deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight the blind and liberty from the bruise to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We, for the most part, don't understand that, but the crowd that he was speaking to understood it very well. He closes the scroll of Isaiah and gives it back to what I guess we would call the senior pastor, the priest. And then Jesus stuns them. And he says this, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And what he was saying was, you're never going to have to wait 50 years again for Jubilee. I'm Jubilee. I'm the restorer. I'm the one that's going to put stuff back together again. And if you know the typology, Passover is the picture of the cross, the death of the lamb. The next day after Passover is unleavened bread. Leaven is yeast. If there's no yeast in the dough, then nothing rises. And that's why Jesus couldn't rise on the day after he was crucified because he said as Jonah was three days, not two, but as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so shall the son of man be three days in the heart of the earth. In another place he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. That's why nothing rises on the day after the cross, after Passover. Corinthians 5 and 7 Paul calls Jesus our Passover. <clears throat> but the third day is first fruits. First fruits is the commemoration of their exodus from Egypt. Greatest jailbreak in the history of the world until the resurrection of Jesus. It's an inside job, you know. It's really cool. That's why when you read Corinthians 15... Paul said, every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits of them that slept. And he refers to this two different times. So Paul called Jesus Christ our Passover and he called him our firstfruits. Makes no sense if you don't understand Leviticus 23 and Leviticus chapter 25. And what you have to realize is Passover was fulfilled on the cross. It is the picture of the blood being shed. Once something was fulfilled, you could enter into it at any time you chose. First fruits, picture of his resurrection. Pentecost, I've asked people for years, when was the first Pentecost? And they go, oh, Acts 2, Acts chapter 2. No, no, no. The first Pentecost is in Exodus chapter 20. Pentecost is a festival that commemorated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And when you study Exodus and you study Hebrews chapter 12, it says there was fire on that mountain. And it said that God spoke to them. God spoke to them. 
you're going to find that there was a wind there. Hebrews 12 calls it a tempest. You're going to find that God wrote his law on tablets of stone. And you also find that 3,000 people died at that first when the law was given. When that was fulfilled in the book of Acts chapter 2, look how it interfaces. Look at the duplication. There was wind at the beginning. There was fire at the beginning. God spoke to them at the beginning, inscribed his law on tablets of stone. 5,000 people died. Thus the word says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So we've got the wind now, we've got the tempest. And it said, and the Holy Ghost fell on all of them and tongues like as a fire was there. So we got the fire. The difference though is that back then he spoke to them. Now he speaks through them. In the original Pentecost, he inscribed his law on tablets of stone. But in Corinthians 3, it says he has written his law on the fleshly tablets of our heart. And just as 3,000 people died... The Bible said, then they that gladly received the word were baptized and that same day they were added 3,000 souls. Everything that happened at the original Pentecost happened at the fulfillment of Pentecost. So wouldn't it be horrible if somebody came here today and said, um, I want my sins washed away and we'll go, well, you're close. It's almost April. Okay, and we celebrate Passover in April. You're really close. Or someone wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit today and we go, you got to wait till June because that's 50 days after resurrection. We have Pentecost Sunday in June. You can get the Holy Ghost in June. But see, Passover has been fulfilled. And because Passover has been fulfilled, You can access the blood of Jesus anytime you want. A.M., P.M., spring, summer, fall and winter, doesn't matter. You want the Holy Ghost? You don't have to wait to June because Pentecost has been fulfilled. You can get the Holy Ghost whenever you want. And Jubilee has been fulfilled. And because Jubilee has been fulfilled, You don't have to wait 50 years anymore. They say all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Well, I'm not talking about the king's horses. I'm talking about the king. The king said, if all I have is a piece of an ear or a tail, I can put you back together again. The Lord that we serve is a restorer. He's a restorer. And the beauty, the reason it's called the year of Jubilee is because every day, if you lost, what is is this, the 26th? I think it's the 26th. If you, let's say you lost the farm 10 years ago on March the 26th, 2013. On this day, You got the family farm back. In other words, all year long, every day, 
Somebody was saying like, did you hear about them Neto boys? They got Honorado's farm back. Did you hear about them Littles? They got the homestead back. Every day was a day of rejoicing because somebody got something back that they thought was lost and they were never, ever, ever, ever going to see it again. You've got to understand something. Satan is a liar. Everything that Satan is, Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. The Bible said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So Satan comes to kill, Jesus comes for life. Satan comes to steal, Jesus comes to restore. Satan comes to destroy and mutilate, Jesus comes to put things back together again. You have to understand that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if he's the way, Satan is the opposite of that, which is lack of direction or the word lost. I am the truth. If Jesus is the truth, Satan is the antithesis of that. He's a deceiver. Jesus said, I am the life. So the opposite of that is death. It's a no-brainer. Jesus doesn't just have wisdom. He is wisdom. He doesn't just possess life. He is life. He's the well. He's the vault. He's the source. He's not just one of many. He's it. I have to understand that. And this, this is so critical because Jesus begins his ministry in a jubilee year. It's obviously, it was a jubilee year in Israel. And he said, but guess what? Next year's going to be a jubilee year. And the year after that's going to be a jubilee year. And, and so what, what, what is critical to me is, is that I, 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 everything about this verse, it wasn't for him. It was for somebody else. I'm, I'm here to preach the gospel to somebody else, the gospel to the poor. I, 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 I'm, I'm here to, to bind up somebody else's broken heart. I, I, I'm, I, I'm here to, to set some other captive free. I'm, I'm here to deliver somebody else from a bruise. Every, every one of these things here, these, these descriptions of what his ministry legitimately was, None of it was for him. I mean, he sure didn't set himself free on a cross. He could have, but he stayed. And, and what fascinates me is I, 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 I have to leave tomorrow. I, I had a, a, a good friend die very suddenly last week, and I tried to call them, and, and that the church and the family, they're just, they're, they're just devastated. And I, I knew it didn't matter what I said. I, I wasn't going to fix it. I wanted to, but every, every funeral that we have recorded that Jesus attended, he messed it up. Jairus' daughter just died and he brought that little girl back. Lazarus was already in the grave and he brought him back. But in the book of Luke is the story of what is known as the widow's son in name. He's in the casket. 
They're on their way to the cemetery. And according to Jewish law, if you touch a dead body, you are ceremonially unclean. And you have to go through a very elaborate ritual to get washed and cleansed again. Jesus stops the, 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 the procession to the cemetery. Obviously, either took the lid off or had somebody else take the lid off. Reaches in and grabs this dead kid by the hand. And the Bible said when he did, he sits up in the casket. Pulls him and says, starts talking to him. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Any day you don't have a tag on your toe, it's a good day, yes? Takes him out of the box, gives him to his mom. You talk about a paradigm shift. This is the only child she has. There's no social security back then. This is her one shot that maybe this boy will have a business or take care of her when she's old. It's always backwards when parents bury their kids. It just always, it was, always seems so weird, man. Kids are supposed to bury mom and dad. Mom and dad not supposed to bury their boys and their girls. But this woman, on I, I can't imagine the, dis- yes I can because I saw it last week. Just the despair that was on that woman. And in a moment, boom. <laughs> Jesus healed her broken heart. Bam. Yahoo. <laughs> I, I just... Uh, the, the, Matthew 8 tells it, Mark 5, 8, Mark 5 says it, Luke 8 says it. He's known as the demoniac of Gadara. Devils. The word is legion. Now, there's three kinds of Roman legions, but the smallest Roman legion had 2,000 soldiers in it. So I'll take the small one. This guy's got 2,000 devils in him. Jesus is talking to him. I think, I think, I think I, now I've been in Pentecost for many, many years. And I've been around a lot of preachers. I was with someone not long ago and I said, uh, hello, called him by his name. And he said, I prefer to uh, be addressed as doctor. (laughs) And so I said, well, that's real nice, Gerald. And uh, I was in something not long ago. Someone said, uh, I'm apostle this. It's nice to meet you, pal. Let me explain something to you. The Bible said your gift will make room for you. You don't have to make room for the gift. If you got it, you don't have to tell nobody. They know you got it. But if you keep saying, I got it, and you ain't got it, you look like a fool. So I'm not comfortable with... This is an apostle. Now, I do believe that the fivefold ministry exists, and I do believe people step into those ministries, and God help us because we need them. I'm just not comfortable. I just don't find Jesus bragging about himself. In fact, there's repeated times when he did stuff, and he said, don't tell anybody. I can't imagine these TV guys saying that. <laughs> I mean, listen to these TV guys. The obvious sign of the blessing of God is money. Okay? But Jesus said this. Get too much of it and it's going to get hard for you to get in the kingdom. So I want to know who's telling the truth. These mercenary prophets on TV or Jesus? 
there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with having money. Just hold it like this. Don't hold it like this. Okay? And, and, and get, get, don't, don't ever call yourself an apostle or a prophet or just, you let the Lord, see, listen, when our, our job is to stay humble. His job is to promote us. Now, when you get those roles reversed and you start promoting yourself, Jesus said, okay, if you're going to do my job, I'll do yours. And trust me, when Jesus humbles you, he's really good at it. You fall on him, that's a good day. He falls on you, bad day. And what I want you to get is, is this, this staggers me, man. This, what's your name? I, 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 I know this goes everywhere. So I mean no dis- disrespect. But it's my personal opinion, Jesus is talking to the man. Now, I've been taught all my life, you got to get them demons to identify themselves. What's your name? You know? <laughs> I think Jesus was asking the guy, what's your name? My name's Harold. But before he can say that, his problem hijacks the conversation. And I've been preaching way too long because I've seen this. I've seen people, their problem becomes their identity. I got divorced. I declared bankruptcy. I just got out of prison. Join the club. There's Bible's full of jailbirds and hillbillies. Brother Tenney told me years ago, he said, Harold, Bible said Elijah was a tishbite. You know what that means? I said, no. He said, it means hillbilly. Lots of people in the Bible got striped sunshine. Please, don't let your past become your present identity. What's your name? What's, well, who are you? And it's just, what's your name? Legion, you know? So he cast out these devils. The devils go into the pigs. Pigs got more intelligence than a lot of people. Because pigs won't tolerate devils. But I've met people that will. They commit suicide. I always wondered, what in the world's them Jews doing with them pigs? Not supposed to have pork. Probably selling it to Gentiles. Like, you ever heard of Thornapple Valley? That's the largest meat packing plant in the Midwest. Been owned by one Jewish family for 120 years. Selling them Selling that ham to us Gentiles. Here's the message. When Jesus shows up, your secrets are exposed. Okay? Listen to what it says in Luke 8 and verse 27. He had devils a long time, naked, living in the graveyard. Compare that with verse 35. When the people of the city came to see what was done, they found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, got his clothes on now. Hallelujah. This guy's the original streaker. (laughs) He's got his clothes on in his right mind, and they're afraid. (laughs) 
You should have been afraid of them before. Not after Jesus delivered them. I've seen people get the Holy Ghost in this church. I remember a girl that got the Holy Ghost here years ago. First time she came to church, she had a Band-Aid on. A very small Band-Aid. Came to see a boy in this church. Got under conviction. The Lord filled her with the Spirit. We baptized her. Two weeks later, she got her first little blue jean skirt. Got herself a blouse on. A couple weeks later, her dad wants to meet me. I'm worried about my girl. Really? She's giving money to that church of yours. Yes, she is. There's a boy here who wanted to take her out on a date. I didn't say this, but I thought it. You had boys show up on your porch at three in the morning that looked like they crawled out of a garbage can and you didn't care. While she spent her money on booze and God knows what else, you never, ever, ever questioned it. She'd go naked and boobitation and everything else out there. Have a good time. All of a sudden she starts dressing modest and giving some money to the kingdom and not drinking Bud Light and you're worried about her. That's stupid. That's just stupid. Bible said they put Dagon up. Dagon was half fish, half man. They put the Ark of the Covenant in front of Dagon. They come the next day, Dagon's underground. Somebody picked that dude up, put him back on the pedestal. They come back the next day, Dagon's underground broke to pieces. Don't ever doubt what the Holy Ghost can do in a heathen temple. But I promise you, there's always going to be some well-intentioned goofball that'll try to set your old idols back up where they have always been in your life. What I'm trying to show you is, is that the Lord did to this man what he said he was going to do. Deliverance to the captive. This guy's bound. But the Lord frees him. How many, there's at least three places I know in the Bible where Jesus healed blind people. One time he just spoke. He was healed. Another time he laid his hands on them. They were healed. But the third one is what gets me. He gets dirt and spits in it. (laughs) Makes a muddy eyeball and sticks it in the empty orb in the socket of that dude's head. Now go wash at the pool of Siloam. He washes, guess what? Got a brand new eyeball. Hmm. You know what happened if I tried to do some of that here? You know? Get some dirt and see here, you know? Come up here. I want to stick this in your head. (laughs) I had a friend for years. His name was Charlie Mahaney. He died recently. I wanted him to speak here, but... He died before that. He, his best friend was a guy named Stan Gleason. Stan Gleason pastors in Kansas City, and we call him Mr. Clean. He's perfect. His shoes, his suit, his tie, his hair, everything. He's just perfect, man. And he came from this Bible school in Minnesota called ABI. And ABI is famous for being very regimented. Nothing out of order. Now, Charlie Mahaney, he's a wild man. And so 
My friend Stan Gleason told me this story. He said, Charlie came to be with us. We're going to have a prison service because Charlie Mahaney was the national coordinator for prison ministry. <laughs> so they're on their way to prison and Charlie Mahaney looks at Stan Gleason and said, now Gleason, I know you're from ABI, but I'm going to warn you. I'm going to be operating in them gifts today down at the prison. I don't want, I'm giving you fair warning. I don't want you freaking out. Okay. And so Charlie preaches this message and he said, anybody need a miracle? Come up here right now. And this small guy came up on the platform and Charlie being Charlie said, all right, convict, what do you need? And he said, I need you to pray for my hearing, Brother Mahaney. So Charlie looked at my friend Stan Gleason and said, well, work for the master. Let's see if it'll work for Mahaney. Spits on his fingers, sticks them fingers in that dude's ear and says, yeah, be opened. My friend stands in shock. He said, How, how's your hearing now, convict? And he said, well, it's not until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, Brother Mahaney. <laughs> I mean, it's unorthodox, folks. Spitting in some dirt and making you a mud ball. At, but, but if you go and wash and you got a brand, who cares if you got the goo running down your cheek? You got an eyeball. It, it's just, it's right here. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to let people recover sight. Bruises. Remember what it says in the book of Isaiah? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That wording is very precise. Because a wound is when the skin is broken and blood flows on the surface of the skin. But a bruise is when blood flows beneath the surface of the skin. And the words are very exact. Transgression. A transgression in the Bible was an obvious apparent sin that not only you knew, but other people knew you did it. But not iniquity. Iniquity is a sin of the spirit. It's something you can hide. It's something that stays between you and your God. Notice how it's worded. Blood on the surface of the skin to wash away the obvious things that we do. But blood beneath the surface of the skin to deal with that hidden stuff that's not so apparent and not so obvious. The ministry of Jesus was... I'm going to free you from your bruise. There's people in this room right now bruised, bruised, bruised and banged up. Bible said, lay aside every weight and sin, which does so easily beset us. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's not sin, but it's slowing you down because you got this bruise in your spirit. And I'm telling you what Jesus is all about. Amen. Not to say it didn't happen. I have a friend by the name of Charles Russell. I'll see him tomorrow in Ohio. When I first met Charles, he had just got out of a hospital from an, an unbelievable accident. All spleen was gone. I forget how many, how many sutures and rods and screws and pins. He's like a walking erector set. And I was with him one time and he pulled down his arm and he had this white, ugly scar down his arm just looked like a lightning bolt man and 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 
He said, you, it was such a terrible accident. You could tell they're just doing the best they can with what they have left. And the, the, it's just ugly. It's ugly. But it, 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 he said, now you see this here, Harold? He said, I know exactly when that happened. And he said, I know exactly how it happened. And I know exactly where it took place. But he said, it's mended and it's healed now. He said, but if I keep digging on it, he said, that thing which God mended is going to get inflamed. And he said, it's going to give me trouble again. Listen, the Lord will heal you. But when he does, quit digging at it. Quit bringing it up. Let it go. Put it under the blood. Put it under the blood. I'm not saying you weren't molested. I'm not saying you didn't get raped. I'm not saying you had a wonderful daddy. Or I'm not saying you had a a virgin Mary for a month. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting your past. But what I'm saying is, you got to go on with that stuff. you got to be able to lay aside some of that baggage. Don't you see what it's doing? you got a husband that needs you. A wife that needs you. Kids that need you. A church that needs you. A world that needs you. Oh, Jesus. 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 Watch. Watch. This is what, this is what, you know, I've asked people this question. What's the gospel? There's at least four gospels in the Bible, okay? Revelation talks about the everlasting gospel. Paul talks about people who preach another Jesus and another gospel. There is something known as the gospel of peace. And there is also something known as the gospel of the kingdom. Let me talk to you about the everlasting gospel right now. What is the everlasting? Is there a place in the Bible that tells us how to be saved? Yes. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached, past tense, I preached unto you. And it says, you received it, that's why you're standing, okay? This is not written to people who are thinking about getting in church. This is written to the church in Corinth. They're already in church. They've already obeyed the gospel. That's why the second verse says, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. The technical term is Calvinism. Unconditional eternal security. Once you're saved, you're always saved. I wish it was true. I really do. All you got to do is read the first story in the Bible. They're in paradise. They disobey the word of the Lord. They're gone. They're booted out of paradise. That doesn't sound to me like unconditional eternal security. Sounds to me like you can stay as long as you obey. All right. Jesus didn't say whoever begins. He said, whoever endures to the end. I'm 65, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on the last third of my life. I can't afford the luxury of botching this thing up now. I got to do my best to finish strong. And, 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 And listen, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. In other words, Paul said, I didn't ask you to do something I didn't do first. I didn't profess it without possessing it, okay? For I delivered unto you what I, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, number one. 
and that he was buried, number two, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. So based on Corinthians 15, one through three, what's the gospel? Death, burial, resurrection. I'll tell you why that's so important. Because in Romans chapter one and verse 16, this is what Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. So what's gospel? Death, burial, resurrection. So people say, do you believe Jesus died? Mm-hmm. Do you believe he was buried? Mm-hmm. Do you believe he resurrected from the dead? Mm-hmm. You're saved. No, you're not. Listen, listen carefully. Just pitch your mental tent here. Listen. Watch. Let me, let me read these verses to you. This is Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That sounds like dying to me. Okay. Now this is Romans 6 and 4. Therefore, we are buried with him. Okay. That sounds like burial to me. Here's Colossians 2 and 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also we are risen with him. Do you get it? Died with him, buried with him, resurrected with him. In other words, it's not just simply the fact that Jesus did it. You and I need to figure out how we're going to identify with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how do you identify with his death? The Bible word is repentance. Repentance basically means stop doing what you're doing, turn around, and go another direction. Okay? That's what repentance is. Repentance is death to yourself. Now you can go out there in DeQuinter and get run over by an 18-wheeler. You can stick a gun to your head, take too many volumes, or you can do what the Bible. The Bible said he commands all people everywhere to repent, to die, to die out to what you want. What happened after Jesus died? He was buried. We need to be buried. How do we get buried? We are buried with him by water baptism in his name. Jesus resurrected after he was buried. That's why in Colossians 2 and 12 it said, We need to be resurrected with him. How do you experience the resurrection of Jesus? Romans 8 and 11 says this. If the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it'll do to you what it did to him. The infilling of the Holy Spirit resurrected the dead, buried corpse of Jesus Christ. And when you die through repentance and are buried in his name, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that is biblical resurrection. And the reason this is so important is because in Acts chapter 2, the very first time the gospel message is preached, Peter said, repent, die, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, which is burial, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is resurrection. That's it. Death, burial, and resurrection is repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel that will save you. That's the gospel that will save you. But here's what intrigues me. In the book of Matthew, chapter number four, it says in verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching 
the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Here's Matthew 9 and 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So my question is very simple. What did Jesus do during his ministry anyway? Because I can't find anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus laid hands on people and they were filled with his spirit and spoke with tongues. I can't find that. I do find that he baptized disciples, but that's it. There's, there's no big baptismal services in Matthew. John the Baptist, but that, what was the ministry of Jesus? I know what the gospel of salvation is, but what's the gospel of the kingdom? I'll tell you what Jesus did for over three years. He healed the sick. He delivered the people that were bound. He restored the sight to the blind. He got them free from all their bruises and all their past encounters. See, we're in a three-year cycle here. Last April, this church family committed to something called Let's Imagine to build a new church house on this dirt here to the north of us. It's a three-year campaign. You're not stupid. Interest rates went up a quarter of a percent point last week. They keep going up. Prices for materials keeps going up. I am bombarded with voices locally around the country. Harold, you, you got to be dumb as a box of rocks to try and build a church right now. You, you. Now, I do know this. The Bible said, if you're going to build, sit down and count the cost. And we have done that. And I, these numbers don't scare me. But what I want you to understand is we're on a three-year campaign to raise money. Initially, it'll be $8 million. When it's all said and done, it'll be ten. Say that, that's a lot of money. Well, yes, it is in one direction. What's a soul worth? What's a family worth? What's, what's, what's a grandchild worth? Put a, put a value on that. You know, I remember seeing someone years ago and they were arbitrating with a chemical company that had polluted this groundwater and so many people. And, he, and one of the lawyers said, what's your spleen worth anyway, huh? How much is your spine worth? What, how much, what, 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 what dollar figure would that be on? I'm, I'm way beyond that, see, right now. I, 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 I met this old preacher years ago named George Glass. If you know who George Glass was, you, I don't have to explain to it. He, he was an amazing old man. I drove him for two weeks, southern West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio. I had no idea who he was. But a, a dear friend of mine said, you'll thank me for this one day. I spent two weeks, just me and this old man, this amazing guy. And he said, you ever heard of Deritter, Louisiana, Harold? I said, well, Brother Glass, you ever heard of McKinleyville, West Virginia? He said, touche. He said, Harold, they had one blinking light in Deritter. There weren't any restaurants. It was just just a bend in the road when I became pastor. And he said, I felt impressed to the Lord to tell that small group of people 
The influence of this church is going to be felt around the world. He said, everybody laughed at me. Everybody said I was just blowing smoke. But he said, not long after that, a chubby little boy named Tom Tenney got the Holy Ghost in our church. It was obvious he was brilliant. In a short amount of time, he was our youth director for the church. In two years later, he was the Louisiana youth director for the whole state. He did such a good job, they moved him to St. Louis and put him over the youth of the entire organization. He said, but now, Tom Fred Tenney is the overseer of the Foreign Missionary Board. And he said, he travels all over the world, Harold, and this is what they say. And now, coming to preach to us from DeRitter, Louisiana, is T.F. Tenney. And he said, God answered my prayer. And that little church had a footprint on the world. When he said that to me, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm 65 right now. But when that old man told me that, in the back of that Oldsmobile all them years ago, I said, God, somehow, some way, I'm going to pastor a church that did what DeRitter did. I'm asking you to give me a church that we can not just do something locally, but have a global footprint and affect things around the world. And I preached that years ago and people thought I was stupid. But I look at what's happening now. (laughs) We've built churches all around the world. We just had a bunch of guys come from Cody, Wyoming and build a church in two days. We got a girl right now. Right now, I got a call yesterday from the missionary in in Asuncion, Paraguay. His name is Joseph Burr. Because we got a girl there. Her name is Lene Steinke. And he said... You told me she was good, Harold. She's gold, man. He said, you got any more like this? He said, she's learning Spanish quicker than anybody else. The kids love her. My wife is dreading the day when she has to leave. I said, well, maybe she won't have to leave. Maybe she'll stay a little bit longer. And he said, oh my God, do you think that's possible? And then I realized, well, we're probably gonna have to raise some more money, but so what? Because we said at the beginning of this campaign, we're not gonna do any less for foreign missions because we're building a building. Well, we can't give there because we got to keep it. No, we have not only done what we've always done for foreign missions. Now we're doing more than we've ever done for foreign missions. Why? Because it, (laughs) we got a bunch of kids going to Brazil in just a couple of days. I'll be gone tomorrow night. But when you come at prayer tomorrow night, put your hands on them kids. Pray for them. Pray for them kids. They're going to go down there. And I know some of our little rats think they're entitled, but not when they come back from South America. Your little boy and your little girl's going to say, Daddy, I'm so glad for what we have. I'm so grateful to live where I live. Invested in the kingdom. It's a big deal. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I'm almost done, but here's my point. Jesus ministered for three years. All right. How do you know that? I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do it in the next couple of weeks. Because I know the feast. Three different times in the book of John, this Passover, the next Passover, the next Passover. All you got to do is count the Passovers. And you got a pretty good idea how long he ministered. And, and it, it's, it's a little over three years. And my question that I'm trying to figure out right now is, 
I got a pretty good idea what Jesus did during the first year of his ministry. What did he do in year number two? What were the miracles that Jesus performed that we have recorded in the Bible in year number two? And I got some of it figured out, but not all of it. And maybe with the help of God, I'll show you more in the weeks to come. But see, we're in year number two now. And I believe that just as the ministry of Jesus had amazing miracles and deliverances and great stories in the second year of his ministry. I believe we're going to have great stories and great miracles and wonderful things in the second year of this campaign of Imagine. I really truly believe that. Where are you at, David? Here's David. Now he's going to get uncomfortable right now. But we don't know what this is going. David bought a storage container. How many years ago? Six and a half years ago. It had wonderful furniture and it had pictures in it. Okay. There was one in there. He thought it looked like be some value. So he hired some people or didn't hire them. Had them look at it and they did all they did. He said, no, this one's not real. But they said, what about the other one? And he said, well, what about that? Let us look at that. So they're starting looking at this thing. All of a sudden, where's the company? Is it, is it Finland? Where's it at? Norway. Huh? Norway. There's a group of people just flew here from Norway to look at David's painting. And they usually charge $10,000 to do their microscopic and all their stuff with the the brush strokes and all that. But they said, David, we're going to do this one for free. We, We, this might be real. So I asked David, what's it appraised at, David? He said, if it's real, I said, yeah. He said, 200. I said, 200,000? He said, it could be worth 200 million, Brother Hoffman. Now, I'm blowing smoke at you, and I don't want to make David uncomfortable. We don't know. It might be a phony. It might be real. But he stood right down there and said, if they approve this thing, Pastor, we're going to start to church now. trying to give you false hope but this is what I believe we've had great stories in this first year I truly believe before when this thing's all said and done your faith and mine is going to be so high and so contagious because we're going to say look what God has done look what he's done now widows feed prophets and I get that and not everybody gets a Claude Monet picture and I get that and David I love you and I'm not trying to put undue pressure on you but I I I just I had someone call me this week that lives a long ways away from here and 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 wants to help us I I I got people watching me on this live stream I just signed over 300 letters this past week to people who have given in this first year and a lot of them watch online and they're watching right now and I want to thank you for every dollar and every time that you trusted us but I'm fellowshipping with an old friend of mine called delicious fear and 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 when you're in a position where I am I see if there was two things I would give Jesus I would give Jesus a watch and I would give Jesus a calendar because it's like Jesus do you really know what time it is and are you do you really know what day it is I'm under the gun here you know but 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 I I he is just, I, 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 I try to wrap my, it's daily manna. 
It's not monthly manna. I, I want enough for the next 90 days, okay? Right now, I'd like to know where we're going to be in two years. But that's not the way it works. It's every day. Every, it makes us to be faith walkers and not sight walkers. To where we could just keep our head down and steer. And it's just, I just, when this is all said and done, I promise you, I promise you, we're going to look at one another and we're not going to have to say one word. Nonverbal. Look what God did. Look what God did. Because the kingdom of God is not tied to an inflation index. And I have a pastor friend, he said, if there was only one crust of bread left in town, it's mine. He said, because I've served him for years and I've never had to beg and I've never had to plead and God always took care of me. And as one old man said years ago, if beans go to $5 a bean, God will give us the beans. In Jesus' name, why? Why? Because we're building this for generations that aren't born yet. People that we don't have faces for. People that we don't have phone numbers for. They're not your Facebook friends right now, but I'm telling you, they're here right now in this area. And God's dealing with their heart right now. And we're gonna build something where we can all be together. Because I wanna be the first church in the United Pentecostal Church that gives $1 million to foreign missions. No church has ever done that. I wanna be the first church that gives a million bucks to foreign men. I want to be, I want to be the first church in the history of the United Pentecostal Church that we can hire a missionary and say, we'll put him on our staff and we'll pay his salary just like he was here ministering in first church. Now get him a plane ticket and get him to his country where he needs to go and just hire, no one's ever done that before. And people say, you're crazy, you're stupid. Yeah, I know. But, but, but the Bible said he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. This is just what I'm asking for. There's stuff I don't even have the courage to tell you what I'm thinking. But I believe if we'll say it and we'll think it, the Lord will exceed our words and the meditations of our heart. Why? Because I'm not asking for this money. I'm not going to put a dime in it. If I do, send me to jail for God's sake. This is not about me. We got, what's your grandkids worth? What's your great grandkids worth? What's that worth? I think... I, I, I think I want to be a, a real church. I want us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Study the book of Exodus. There's 40 chapters in the book of Exodus. Most of you know Exodus is where the Ten Commandments come from. Exodus chapter 20. Really, chapter 20 through 24. What is Exodus anyway? It's the exit. It's the deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. I truly believe them slaves built them pyramids. I think it's amazing that those things are still existing to this day. The power of concerted effort that can build something that can last generations and generations. But you see, the first 19 chapters of Exodus is deliverance. Deliverance. You got five chapters, 20 through 24, that are commandments, disciplines. We'll call them the rules. But from 25 through 40, they're building the tabernacle of Moses. 
So when I look at Exodus, this is what I see. First, you've got to have deliverance. Then you can talk about the disciplines. But after you get the disciplines established, let's build something for the kingdom. Let's get involved in church life. All right? I'm not here to tell new converts to say, you've got to stop doing this and stop doing that. No. We want to be a church where people get delivered. We want to be a church that when people come here and start worshiping with us, I've seen ladies got $100 worth of Maybelline on their face. Mix it with tears and it's always black. It looks like Alice Cooper, man. It's just, it's just, I love, I love that stuff. I saw, I saw a, a woman this week, they called her Black China, but Black China got the Holy Ghost two months ago. She took out all of her fillers and all her implants and now she wears a modest blouse and now she says, I've got fulfillment in my spirit that I never had before on that stage. All of that money that I made from, um, it's all gone, gave it all up. I just, I look at that and I'm going, yes, 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 yes. I was preaching in Troy last week. When I got done, I got a text from Arushi. Arushi Palmar is, she's, she's, her and her brother Amulia. Oh my God, have mercy. (laughs) Let me tell you about Amulia. Amulia's already, I don't know how many TED Talks Amulia's done. He's, he's, Apple computer flew him to Cupertino, California twice. He's been to the United Nations. The nation of Israel flew him to Tel Aviv for six weeks. Just, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Rushi wanted to tell me goodbye. She's going back to St. Louis, finished her undergrad. She's starting, just, she's brilliant, just like, she said, let me show you Amulia. This is what he did last week. Here's Amulia Palmar at the University of Michigan three weeks ago doing a concert on the piano. It's like Liberace sitting up there with a tuxedo. Just, and I'm, I got a hold of him and I said, you little rat. You never even told me you could play the piano. Nobody knew he could. He's never had a lesson. But when he was done, they stood for 20 minutes, gave him a standing ovation. And I'm going, you wait till a whoosh. He just did a startup company. Moy's going to make millions. Arush is going to make a lot of money. We got kids in this church. I can tell you story after story. I'm telling you, folks, God has blessed this church with unbelievable giftings and talents. Let's take it and build a machine to propagate the gospel to the world. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? Come with me around this altar. Now, a year ago in April, there were a lot of people here. We spent a lot of, we, 10 weeks, we prepped for that offering in April. There, there, there are packets up here. We've added a lot of new families and a lot of new faces since last April. Weren't here when we did our first offering. You've come to me and said, Pastor, when do we get to do our part? So this is where we're at right now. If you're around this altar and you weren't here, didn't make a pledge last year, and you want to, come get one of these packets. Amen, come get this thing here right now. Amen, we got families, we got 
singles, just whatever. If you're watching us online, I'm asking for your help. I, 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 I've never been a money preacher, but the older I get, the bolder I get. Because without a vision, people perish, but without money, the vision perishes. And I'm not asking for money for me. I'm not living that way. But I am asking you to partner with us. A legitimate sacrifice. I'm not talking about walking around money here. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about money that's going to affect you. I'm asking you to take this thing home with your spouse. If you're married, if you're not married, I want you to pray over it for two weeks. We're going to bring it back on Easter. That's going to be the ninth. That's when we bring these commitment cards back. On the 23rd of April is when we're going to take our offering to begin the second year. We're believing for several hundred thousand dollars in cash. If you can, bring cash on that day. If you can't, I understand. Many of you have already made a pledge. You've been faithful. We're on track to reach our goal. All right? But here's the deal. I, I, I'm the pastor. I have to, I got to be a good steward. And so I'm not here to fleece you for money, but I am going to do my best to keep you aware of where we are so we don't get lazy and we don't drop the ball right now. Because if we discipline ourselves for the next 24 months, I promise you in the spring of 25, we'll be sitting on go and we'll be able to get this thing going. All right? So, amen. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I'm humbled, God. I don't have hair like I used to. My eyes don't work like they used to. My body starting to wear. But that does not depress me, Lord. If anything... I'm more faith-filled now than I've ever been in my life. I've never had to beg. I have never, ever, ever been restricted. I've never been stranded. I've never been abandoned. You have always taken care of me and this, my family and this church. And so now we venture onto something. This building we're in right now was so far beyond what we were capable of doing all those years ago. But we did it. I remember the day when the enemy just fought me and said, how in the world are you ever going to pay for it? And how in the world are you ever going to fill it up? But it's been filled up multiple times and it's been paid off for years. And that same negative voice, God, that wants to haunt me and hound me, I understand that there's another voice that says, occupy until I come. And so, Lord, I pray for these men and women right now. I pray, God, for an understanding spirit and they realize what this is all about. I'm asking you, God, to help us to bless these people. Money that they didn't think they were going to get. Money that right now they have no idea it's going to come. But if it comes into our life, we make a confident pledge. We're going to give it to you. We're going to give it to this temple. And we're going to build this thing. And we're going to have a print, a footprint that goes around the world. Lay your hand on the shoulder of someone by you right now. Lord. According to your word, where two agree on earth as touching any one thing, it'll be done. Lord, we're asking you to help us. Help us to navigate the next 24 months. Help us, God, direct us. When it comes, please, God, don't let me be greedy. I'm praying, Lord, that you'd give us money. 
But when you give us the money, we're not going to quit praying. We're going to pray just as hard when we get the money as we did when we needed the money. And saying, God, give us the wisdom to be able to spend this thing properly. I'm asking you, God, to help us with contractors. I'm asking you, God, to help us with builders. There are people in this city, you're going to have to soften their heart. We're going to have to be able to find some materials, Lord, that are, that, 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 that are cheaper than they look like right now. Lord, there are people in this community. Amen. I believe they're going to bless us. I believe there are people that are watching us online right now. They're going to partner with us. I believe we're going to have great stories. This first year has been filled with memories and amazing stories that you have blessed us with. But I'm convinced during the second year of this ministry, we're going to see things just like you did in the second year of your ministry. I thank you, God, ahead of time for eyes being open, for ears being unstopped. I thank you for marriages being mended. I thank you for minds, God, that are put back together. I thank you for bodies, Lord, that you're going to restore. I thank you, God, for hearts that you're going to mend. I am excited, God, about what you've done, but I'm really excited about what I know you're going to do. So I ask you, Lord, there are 10,000 things that my brother and I have the ability to be aware of. 10,000, one puts a thousand. But with my brother or my sister right now, we've got 10,000 things that we can have the authority over. Bless us, guide us, give us wisdom to do this right. And we'll give you honor and we'll give you glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and call it done. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout. Don't just clap. Sing something for us here. This is an appropriate song. Everybody sing. Everybody sing. Build church. church.